Welcome to episode 68 of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. And let the record show that on this day, Sunday afternoon, the Sens are first place in the Atlantic Division. Yeah! I'm so excited because I never thought it would happen this year. But it has. And it might be short-lived because the Habs play the Oilers tonight. And if they win, uh, Sens won't be first in the Atlantic. You do have to do a disclaimer here. (laughs) Yeah, well... (laughs) A lot of disclaimers yeah, well, here. Forget the disclaimer. It's the podcast. Yeah, Jeez, what can exactly. you do? Anyway, so we're going to talk about the Sens winning ways. We're also going to give out our uh, three-quarter season awards. So like uh, the Hearts, the Art Ross, uh, the Vesna, Jack Adams, the Norris Trophy, of course. And, of course, uh, the tourist race with the Calder Trophy, although Brett's going to make a pitch that a goalie should be involved. So uh, we'll hear him out mm-hmm. on that. Uh, also, uh, the Flames have won nine straight games and are now second in the Pacific Division. Of course, uh, that could change because, you know, the podcast changes. And um, also, a hockey question that will be talked about for years to come. Who is the first player signed by the Vegas Golden Knights? We'll have that answer in our rapid fire. Plus, in or out, we talk about the Leafs and the Islanders. But first, shout-outs to all the players past and present in the NHL who have worn number 68. Of course, Yarmer Yager is the most notable. Uh, Mike Hoffman wears number 68 for the Sens. Um, from 1994 to 1995, Ziggy Palfy, one of the best names in the league, wore that number with the Islanders. Uh, Frazier McLaren wore that number for uh, the San Jose Sharks from 2010 to 2013. Uh, Melker Carlson wears that number for the Sharks today. And from 2009 to 2013, Yannick Weber wore number 68. So to all of them and the players we didn't mention, this podcast is for you. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. Um, I don't know if you heard about the the controversy with uh, Josh O'Sing wearing um, Mario Lemieux's number, and people are upset about wearing Mario Lemieux's number. So yeah, I just, I it was just um, when you mentioned Yager's number, and then all the other current players that are wearing his number, it's just like. I wonder if like people are actually upset like that. People are wearing like Mike. Are people upset at Mike Hoffman for for wearing Yager's number? Probably not. Yeah. You because know? he scores that well. Sense yeah. fans aren't complaining about Or that. like Melker Carson's like it's it's a stupid controversy because it's yeah. Like, Lemieux never played for the Islanders, and it's not like he's Lemieux's yeah. retired number retired league wide like Gretzky's is. But yeah, exactly. Just, I think it was Gretzky's would be a bigger story, but. It's just, it's just funny that, well, I think, isn't Gretzky's retired league-wide? Like it's no league-wide, I know, yeah, which is why it wouldn't happen. But it's like, it's, I'm sure Hoffman wore 68 because of Yager. It yeah. wouldn't surprise me, I'm sure a lot of players, you know, <laughs> wanted to be like Jeremy Yager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's a little bit of a tangent, but we, we went off script a bit there. Yeah, anyways, uh, moving on. <laughs> anyways, um... So, uh, yeah, we have quite a big uh, list, having said that. We have, um, we were going to talk about, I noticed that the Art Ross race is actually pretty close, because throughout the entire year, McDavid kind of had this all settled up, and it was really between McDavid and Crosby throughout the entire year. 
But now there's a couple of other players who are um, who are making it close, or interesting at least, we should say. Um, so, as it currently is, I know that the Blackhawks, the Oilers, and the Sharks play tonight. So this could all change. And currently, uh, <laughs> it already has because the Blackhawks played right now. And Patrick Kane has two points already. So it could change up things like that. But for the, for now, this is at 1 o'clock on a Sunday, um, whenever you listen to this. Um, McDavid has 75 points. Patrick Kane has 73 points. Crosby has 72. Malkin has 71. And then Brad Marchand and Brent Burns have 70 points. Um... I mean, it does seem like this could be McDavid who can finish this up. He still has a two-point lead ahead of Patrick Kane. But um, it's, you know, Patrick Kane or Crosby could uh, could catch up to them. Or Brad Marchand, Burns could catch up on them if they have a crazy night, uh, you know, crazy couple last couple of games. So, um I think there's like only like around like nineteen or twenty more games for all these guys. So I think it's give or take fifteen actually, or at least it seems closer to that for some teams. Well, like well, let's see here. So McDavid's played sixty-seven games. Crosby's played sixty-one games. Uh, Malkin's played sixty. Kane has sixty-eight. Marshawn has also sixty-eight, and Fred Burns is sixty-seven. So I guess you're right. Yeah, it's like fifteen or. Maybe even like ten, <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, give or take like fifteen or twenty games, I guess you could say. Um, but um, yeah, so this this is kind of interesting. I'm I'm rooting for Brad Marchand and Patrick Kane just because of the American and the Bruin. Yeah. Um, but I have a feeling it's it's going to still be McDavid who's going to win out. Um, having said that, it is impressive that Patrick Kane is doing has a strong finish. I believe you have a statistic on what Patrick Kane is up to right yeah, now. Yeah, he, he got 15 goals in his first 51 games. Now he's got 15 goals since February 2nd. That's a stretch of 16 yeah. games. Um, before, you know, obviously today's action, he had 71 points in 67 games on the year. He's put up at least two points in four of his last five following the Nashville game on March the 4th. And uh, since that fateful day in February, February 2nd, he's gone from 10th to 3rd in the NHL scoring race. Again, subject to change. And heading into today, he was four points back of Connor McDavid. So, um, and, and, and it should be mentioned, before that early February to mid-March terror, he was 10 points behind the youngster. So, uh, he's really made up some ground, and he could, he could. This this is wide open for the taking, but McDavid is still the front runner. I mean, he's amongst forwards, fourth in the league in ice time. Only three other guys had more ice time than him as of Saturday, and those three would be Ryan O'Reilly, Ryan Kessler, and of course we mentioned Patrick Kane. And of those three, Kane is the only guy that could probably outscore McDavid. And this matters because this is a guy. They'll be getting plenty of chances to add to his stats, especially with the Oilers getting closer and closer to clinching a spot in the playoffs. Uh, they need a guy like Connor McDavid on the ice to do that. And he also, 
and as we all know, he possesses an unlimited amount of deceptiveness in terms of both speed and skill. So he's always creating chances for himself and for his teammates. And if he's not scoring, chances are someone else on the Oilers will. And you don't need goals alone to win this race. Assists matter just as much as goals here. So if he continues to play at this as if he continues to play at this pace, I think Connor McDavid is going to win hands down. Yeah, I think so. And like that goes. I mean, that that's a perfect segue to our Hart Trophy talk because um, I think it's like he's the clear Hart Trophy candidate or a Hart Trophy winner because to me. There's two there's two interpretations you can have on the Hart Trophy, which I've talked to you earlier this week about, or I emailed this to you earlier this mm-hmm. week. I would like an essay to Steve for yeah. everyone to know about the Hart Trophy race. Um, McDavid, so there's two kind of uh, qualifications, I feel like, for the Hart Trophy. Mm-hmm. Is um, McDavid... Uh, is if the player is the best player throughout, the most consistent throughout this whole season, or you can think of it as like literally the most valuable player. So the most valuable player to their team. And I feel like McDavid, like the Edmonton Oilers would be um, either a lottery team or just a bubble team uh, without McDavid. And I think, like, obviously, Dreisaitl, Talbot, and even, like, the defense has improved. Those guys have improved a lot, too. And it's really just the question of how much credit do they deserve for Edmonton's success. But ultimately, I think a lot of it has to do with McDavid. Um, and he's been that good in his second year. Um, so, so, to me, he wins without it. And we shouldn't even talk about who else... Um, we shouldn't even talk about anyone else winning it because I feel like he's just the clear favorite and he's going to win it, barring he uh, drops off somehow. But yeah, and, you know. and 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 you're right. There are there are guys who have stepped it up. I mean, when McDavid was MIA uh-huh. last year due to the broken clavicle, Drysdale right. got 30 points in 37 games. Right. I also think Lucic makes him tougher to play against this year. Larson yep. is 14th in the league in hits. He's got almost 200. Uh, Russell has 157 block shots and counting. That's in the top five. Todd McClellan could be a candidate for the Jack Adams this year, although he might not win. But, again, McDavid makes everyone around him better. Look at Patrick Maroon. He's got 21 goals this year. How many does he have without McDavid? Right. Yeah, I know. It's like, it's poor poor Taylor Hall because he, this should have been him a couple years ago. But, yeah, um... It's true, though. McDavid has been making everyone player, and that's kind of what you need in your Hart Trophy winner. So, uh, but just for, uh, I guess, to humor people, we have about, uh, let's see, five other candidates that could should be nominated, um, although only, ultimately only three will be, and one's McDavid, who will win. I think we're both in agreement that McDavid's going to win the Hart Trophy and should win. Um, so if you take it from the logic that the Hart Trophy is about the most valuable player or, um, is just the most valuable player, we have a couple of people here. So we have Brent Burns here, who's on pace for 82 points, um, in the season, which I think was more than, uh, Carlson was last year as a defenseman. 
Carlson had 82 points in 82 games. He was oh, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Player. Oh, yeah, good point, good point. Uh, Burns has, uh, he had a, he's on pace for 86 points, so that's more than Carlson was. Okay, then yeah, yeah. he would have more points than Carlson if that yeah, was the case. Yeah, my apologies, my apologies. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know you're, uh, this is a touchy subject for you. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so Brent Burns, but however, so Brent Burns is, has been really good for the Sharks. He's been one of the best defensemen we've seen since Eric Carlson last year. Um, and you know, we haven't seen a, as good of a defenseman as Eric, and he's doing even better than Carlson was. So, um, However, Brent Burns plays on the Sharks, um, and they're a very good team. They have Pavelski, they have Joe Thornton, they have Logan Couture, they have all these guys, Martin Jones, Vlasic, I can't even name all the guys. They're, that's how deep they are. And I, I, I'm sure I missed some guys there. Marlowe, I guess. Um, uh, yeah. Whatever. They have those guys. Um, and I feel like yeah, so if you take it from, like, the most valuable player from that end, um, yes, Burns has been really good, but if you take Burns out of the Sharks lineup, I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I feel like the Sharks would still be pretty good. Um, exactly. So the debate is yeah. going to be, you know, as opposed to McDavid being out of the Oilers yeah. lineup, which hurts them more, Burns with uh, not being on the Sharks or McDavid not being on the Oilers? Right. And is this team a playoff team without that guy? Yeah, and I think I think almost everyone's going to say, well, the the Sharks are a better team overall, so yeah, that's why the c- credit goes all the way to McDavid. But Brent Burns is the only one that seems to be like the only serious candidate, I guess. Maybe Crosby, but we'll get to it in a bit. Because if you're talking about stacked lineups, uh, the Penguins have an even worse time there because you have. A guy like Malkin, who's currently who currently has seventy one points, which is one point behind Crosby at the moment. Um, you also have Matt Murray, who should be a Calder Trophy nominee. Uh, you you know Latang, Phil Kessel. I can go on and on about Penguins guys as well, but Crosby also deserves some credit though. Uh, he's now scoring goals. He probably will win the. Um, He'll probably win the uh, the Rocket Richard, which is the most goals um, mm-hmm. in the season. Um, although I guess Malkin, Barshan, and Tarasenko and Line A are all close, um, but it's um, so that should be an interesting race too. I didn't realize that, but, um, but you look at you look at Crosby though, like like yeah. when he's been out of the lineup, Malkin stepped it up. And prior to last night's game against Vancouver, I took the standings. Malkin was ahead of Crosby in the point scoring race, right? So if Malkin finishes higher than Crosby for well, the Art Ross voting, I don't think Crosby should win the Hart Trophy because he's got Malkin on his team. Right. Well, now Crosby has more points, one more point than Malkin does yeah. right now. But right. yeah, no, but like that—that that is my point. It's that like since Malkin has also been pretty good with Crosby, it's like if we're going by like if you leave them out of the lineup, like are they? Are the is their team good any good or not? And I don't think I don't think the Penguins would be anywhere because if you leave Crosby out, you still have Malkin, you know. So yeah. I feel like if both are out, yeah. then that's a different story. <laughs> exactly. 
if they could share if they could share a heart trophy um <laughs> then that's probably what they should do yeah. but it's i don't i don't think it's going to um but i think Malkin ultimately hurts Crosby's campaign because he's also having a good season um, I also I also think that's the same reason why Patrick Kane doesn't win it because right. if you remember he started off a little bit slow Panarin was playing at his best yeah. and then when Patrick Kane got hot Jonathan Taves he's got 20 points in his last 15 games yeah. since Kane began his streak on February 2nd so he's got a he's got a good supporting cast around him too so I, I guess although I was looking at this though you can't really say the same for Patrick Kane because I was looking at this for uh, the Blackhawks. On the Blackhawks, you have Patrick Kane, who has 71 points right now. But yeah. then you, the next highest scoring uh, guy is uh, Artemi Panarin, who has 59 points. Obviously, I think this all changes because they're yeah. currently playing right now. Okay, he, I think Panarin's got a point as well. He has least. two points. Yeah, he has two points. Okay. In the so so like 61, he, has 60, no. he has 61 points. Uh, Taze has 48 points, uh, Keith has 45 points, 40, and he's some off with 44 points. I know that Taze and Panarin and Kane have all of a sudden, um, you know, as of late have picked it up, um, like I guess we all thought they would be, but at the same time, Patrick Kane has like a 10 point difference from all those guys, so I don't know if it's necessarily like you can say, you can say that. But at the same time, you know, the Blackhawks are as stacked as the Penguins and the Sharks are. So um, it would be tough to say, yeah, you're right, though. It, he would be hurt. He's hurt by all those guys. Just, just just by the fact that he has those guys on his team. True. But, like, but like, yeah, so it's the same thing with Burns and Crosby because yeah. he plays on a stacked team already. Um it's it's kind of tough to say that, but um, I didn't even have Patrick Kane as a hard candidate here, even. But it's uh, but we'll say we'll we'll leave it to that because um, my guy, and I'm sure this is my homer pick here, but um, I, I'm gonna like I'm gonna start referring to him as heart candidate Brad Marchand because I just want him to be a, I just want him to be noticed. That's all I care about. Uh, so I. Uh, because because we just talked about how Pittsburgh, Chicago, and San Jose, they all have stacked lineups, um, and they've all been consistent somewhat, although I guess for Chicago they haven't really been consistent. Um, Boston, you could sort of say the same. I'm not going to put them on that level um, in terms of stackedness or about um, how much depth they have, but... Even still, you have Pasternak, who's good. You have, I, don't, I mean, I'm going to talk about Marchand. You have Bergeron, Krejci, uh, you know, Tukaras, Chara, uh, Krug has has had a good year, too. But it's, they've all had good years. But the Bruins, the one difference is that the Bruins is, one, Marchand has been the most consistent. In fact, he's been... Pretty cons- he's been consistent throughout the whole season, even when the Bruins were stinking up the place with, uh, you know, in Claude Julien's last days. He was, he's still getting points and still doing stuff. Um, and he, uh, uh, and so yeah, he was the most consistent, and he's now 
Um, what was my other point? Um, well, it, it's just the fact that you're right. He's been the most consistent. Yeah, he's been you the most. At, and oh yeah, yeah. And then, and if we take it like from the aspect of if you take Brad Marchand out of the Boston Bruins, yes. Uh, as much as I don't want to think about it, I don't think uh, the Bruins would be in a playoff spot right now. I don't even think they would even be a bubble team. Um, so in that sense, I feel like, yeah, Brad Marchand should be nominated. Um, however, I know that his reputation of, you know, being this like little slime bag kind of person. So I, I get it. Um, and I know, I think the people who vote on these are like the media and they hate them and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I get it. Um, and it's, you know, like the only people who love him are, are Bruins fans and all this stuff. And he, you know, he, he had those suspensions early in the year. He slew foot a guy and, uh, he maybe should have been suspended, but he didn't. So I, I get that he's probably not going to be uh, nominated just because of that. But at the same time, I just want him to get credit for him being up there. So, however, I feel like however unrealistic this is going to be, but here's what Brad Marchand has to do in order to be nominated. He has to win the R. Ross uh, uh, trophy somehow. Or yeah, the Bruins have to... Uh, win the Atlantic Division, which is, is neither, both are pretty unlikely at this moment, but not impossible. Yeah. Um, but um, I just, I just want him to get some credit. Um, I mean, I guess it's also possible he could get the uh, Rocket Richard. I just want him to get one award, um, but uh, I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to win any. I just want him to be nominated, I guess, is my thing. But yeah. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start referring to Marshawn as the hard candidate Marshawn throughout the whole year, just to get that out there. Just until, to, until the award is given. Until the award is given or, 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 or announced, yeah. Um, yeah. He's, uh, he's our heart candidate Marshawn. Uh, and then I, last, I, we have I, I two think, other ones. I think, well, Sorry. Like, like Brad Marshawn... It's it's a shame that his his baggage that is his image um, on on all the other stuff you right. know the stunts that he pulls and, and all that like it's a shame that overshadows his great play because this guy since January first has twenty two goals and thirty nine points in twenty eight games he has a twenty goal season in twenty seventeen for crying out loud right. you take away all of twenty sixteen he's got over twenty goals yeah he's a top five scorer in the league. He didn't go on like a 17-game goal strike like Pasternak did. And that right. guy's close to scoring 30 goals. He didn't have the slow start that Bergeron did. Like you say, he's been consistent. Yeah. But do you want your MVP doing the kind of stuff that Brad Marchand does? I do. <laughs> I don't think anyone else <laughs> well, does. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If he's on your team, obviously. Yeah. But that doesn't – it's just for the sake of, you know, the image of the MVP. Like, well, you think of wait. MVPs, you, you, you wait a second. Think of, you know, MVP's doing what Brad Marchand does every now and again. Well, wait so. a second. La- last year, Patrick Kane won the Hart Trophy, and he had that questionable whole rape trial. So, like, like he yeah, did something that's, that's even, that's like, true. do you want, like, the sanctity of the Hart Trophy is it's kind of tarnished already. Yeah. But, um, that's, a, that's a good 
point, actually. You're right about that. <laughs> there we uh, go. But, I mean... He does have a shot, then. He does have a shot. <laughs> yeah. Although, to be fair, it's like, you know, Patrick Kane didn't... Nest, like, I mean, he was never... They didn't find any evidence yeah. that he did, but yeah. it's... it's, exactly. it's still, There's still a cloud over that. Yeah. Um, well, uh, there's only two more people that we have um, up here for a hard candidate. Uh, Devin Dubnik, um, he's probably going to win the Vesna, maybe, I guess. Now that I'm looking at all these stats, I don't know if he will. But my point was just that if he wins the goals against average um, race and the save percentage race and the wins race, um, then he will then he should be nominated at least. But he'll probably win the Vesna or be nominated for the Vesna. So he'll have that for him. Um, that's kind of the same for Burns, is that I feel like, although Burns um, will probably be nominated for the Hart Trophy, he'll, he'll definitely be nominated for a Norris Trophy and will probably win that. He's the heavy favorite for that. So it's, it's going to be... Um, so he'll have an award at the ne- end of the night um, instead. Um, so th- it's the same here for Dubnik, or I guess not. Well, we're going to talk about the Vezina in a bit, but um, it's it's. Um, I feel like he's kind of dropped off as of late because he just I, gave up two goals. But he, uh, yeah. it's still. I feel like there should be at least some. Um, some acknowledgement for Dubnik. Um, yeah, he, he's definitely he's yeah. definitely been uh, one of the Minnesota's best players. No yeah. denying that. He's been a huge part of right. That yeah, and that that goes back to like if you take Dubnik out of the Minnesota Wild, I'm not sure if they would be as good as they are right now. When they have Kemper in the yeah. lineup, his GAA is over three, and right. yet he has a seven three and something record, but is still a GAA over three. Dubnik's got a much better GAA than Kemper does. Yeah. Although so, right so, now, <laughs> I, just, I can I can kind of yeah. see what, your argument with that, but I, I don't yeah. really consider him to really be a front runner in in the Hart Trophy unless all those three things happen. You're right. Yeah, um, but the, and uh, I know it's a long shot, just like Marshawn's a long shot. But yeah, um, I feel like it should be mentioned, and you're going to yeah. even give an even bigger long shot. Yeah, this is the <laughs> motherload of all long yeah. shots, and I think it only. You think he only gets a handful of votes so they make the playoffs, but Nikita Kucherov should get some consideration. He's got 21 goals and 44 points in 42 games, again, subject to change, since yep. Stamkos got injured back in mid-November. He's got 11 of those 21 goals on the power play. That puts him in the top five for the most power play goals in the NHL since November 18th. 20th a nice time amongst NHL forwards during that stretch as well. So he's done all of that. And yeah, he's 20th in the in the NHL amongst forwards when it comes to ice time, which is incredible. And his average shifts per contest is 83rd amongst forwards, which is incredible. And to be able to do all that, score 30 goals, and keep your team within four to five points of a wild card spot with less than 15 games to go, especially with Stamkos out, and as we're going to talk about in the entry port, three centers now day to day with injuries. And then Bishop, Philpola, and Brian Boyle also getting dealt. They're still four to five points back out of a playoff spot. The fact that this team is still in the hunt right now, it's all because of Nikita Kucherov. The Bolts just beat Minnesota, one of the best teams in the league, 
And that was against Devin Dubnik in the net. And uh, that was the game where they lost three centers, and they were still able to win. He's just able to raise his game to a whole nother level that we haven't seen before. He's done that continuously. And while he won't win this award, he should get some votes if Tampa makes the playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the key here is if Tampa wins the playoffs, then he'll get consideration. But I don't think they are going to get, make the playoffs. But, I mean, I guess it's possible. I, I did I did mention Brad Marchand like um, like he's a serious candidate, too. So it's it, it should be interesting. Um, yeah. We're going to briefly mention the other awards quickly. Um Calder Trophy, it's really between Austin Matthews and Patrick Laine. Um, Laine is pretty close to the Rocket Richard. I was just looking at this here. He has 32 goals, um, 59 points. Um, and Matthews is pretty close behind. He has 31 goals and 55 points. Uh, the current goals leader is 34, has 34 points, which is Sidney Crosby. Um, and Patrick Laine is tied for second in that in that race, but um, I really think it just comes up to whoever has more points between Laine and Matthews will win this award. Um, and then uh, some credit should go to Matt Murray. Um, he's pretty much been the starter for the Penguins right now, um, although I guess he has a two point three three GAA save percentage of nine twenty five. He has a lot of wins. I think it's just people think that he he isn't really a rookie because of that whole Stanley Cup thing last year. Um, you know that whole Stanley Cup thing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he uh, but uh, he should he should be he should take up that third uh, nominee spot. But um, it might be Warinsky, although I guess he's kind of. Um, Taking a downturn there. He's got um, forty points on the year, forty plus points in the year. But yeah, I, I think terrible. you're right. I think I think Matt Murray occupies that third spot. Um, it, about it, or um, it could be like Nylander or Marner um, as well. Although I feel like that might cancel out Matthews' whole thing. Um, but yeah, I think it's just it's just a matter of who gets more points, Line A or Matthews. Um, yeah. Now here here's where I disagree though. I think Patrick Laine is going to be the highest-scoring rookie. Okay. However, I don't think he wins. I think Matthews wins, and here's why. He does more than just score. He's got 35 giveaways. That's the 12th highest amongst rookies. Uh, Laine and Marner have 45 or more apiece when it comes to giveaways. Matthews has 57 takeaways, which puts him in the league's top 10. This isn't rookies. This is the entire league I'm talking about. Right. And... He's also in the top 10 when it comes to shots generated in the league. Line A is outside the top 50. And like I said at the halfway point, Line A has Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, and Brian Little on his team. The, the, and I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about talent. I'm talking about veteran experience. If your name's Austin Matthews, you're on a team that's talented, but still very young at the same time. Uh, uh, I don't know. I feel like, it's, like is Shifley like that much of a like, influence on Patrick Laine is, like, all, like, Ellers that much of an influence on Laine? I don't know if it's necessarily like that. Like, are they, because they've they've only been in the league for, like, two to three years. It's not like, 
Blake Wheeler and Brian Little have been in this league for a long, longer. Right, but than they don't play on. I don't. I don't think they play on his line. Well, that's true, but I'm sure they give him advice. You know? Yeah, but like that's the same. You could say the same for Toronto. You have JVR on your team. You have Nazem Kadri on your team. You have. Uh, um. I mean, you don't have as many good guys on, like, as many experienced guys on your team, but you also have, uh, let's see here, you have uh, Kadri, Komarov, Vin, uh, James Van Greenzyke, uh, yeah. Bozak. They've all been in the league for a while. And now you have Matt Martin and Brian Boyle. So you can say the yeah. same for the Toronto. Um, that's that's true. I, I just think that just, just Matthews is just being asked to do more on – in, besides score than Patrick Laine has. Like, Patrick Laine, he's been... Both guys have been very fun to watch. And Patrick Laine, know. like, like he, he's got the trademark shot. But it's just that Matthews just brings so much more than just scoring ability. And I'm not saying that Patrick Laine doesn't. I'm just saying that it's, it's shown more in Matthews' game than it has on Patrick Laine. Well, so currently, Matt, well, that's why I'm saying that. I feel like if it's whoever has more points will probably win this because Patrick Laine has already scored more points in less games. Um, he has 59, Line A has 59 points in 61 games. Matthews has 55 points in 67 games. Um, yeah. And he has, so Line A has more of a points per game than uh, Matthews does, um, or higher points per game than Matthews does. Line A is yeah. almost at a point per game. Um, but it's, I don't know. I feel like the other thing you have to think about is that you also have Marner and Nylander, who's off, who's also been pretty good too, and they, yeah. um, you know, uh, they may cancel out Matthews' uh, legitimacy um, for Calder because they've also been pretty good for Toronto as well. Um, I mean, I, I think we're we're going to talk about them soon. Yeah, in our and, in and, and Marner session, was Marner when he got hurt. He was the leading scorer. Nylander's right. twenty one power play points. They're tied with Zacharewski for the rookie yeah. lead. So th- they've had great years too. I'm just saying that Matthews provides just a lot more than scoring ability. And like I said before, Patrick Line, I think he wins the rookie scoring race, but I think Matthews wins the award. I mean, I guess you also have to think about the fact that Matthews plays in the hockey capital of the world. Yeah. I guess that there's some yeah. bias there, so I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if Matthews does win. But I feel like it's it's just ridiculous if if he does win and Lineage plays tough better. To call. I will say that it's extremely tough to call right now. Like like Elliot Freeman asked Voracek about it, he just shrugged his shoulders and said, "Good luck on that one." Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. So we have we're just gonna touch up on all these ones. The Norris Trophy. You're probably going to say that it's Carlson, but I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Burns this time. Um, no, it's, it's, I, I'm going to take it a step further. It's got to be Carlson. It's got to <laughs> be, and this is why, okay? <laughs> I can understand why he didn't win the Norris last year. His defensive game wasn't as good as his offensive game. The Norris doesn't go to the most offensive defenseman every season. Yep. And last year, like I said, 82 points in 82 games, yet Drew Doughty won the Norris because he was the better all-around defenseman. This year, Eric's got 61 points. That's second amongst defensemen, fifth in time on ice amongst defensemen, still number one in block shots with 178. He's got 48 takeaways. That's fourth amongst defensemen. And while he's nearing 100 giveaways, at last check, he's got 38 fewer 
than Brent Burns. And yeah. both possess the puck a lot during the games. Yeah. And while Burns is probably going to hit 80 points this year, and while I think he's going to be the better offensive defenseman, again, Eric Carlson has done everything he possibly can to silence the critics and say he's the best defenseman yeah. in this league. I was he's about to played, say, like, like now you're talking about overall defenseman for Eric Carlson. <laughs> Because the, I remember, like, years ago when th- this used to be, like, Chara versus Carlson. And yeah. all these Bruins fans would say, like, but Chara does more on the defensive end and, he, and all that stuff. And then, like, you know, Eric Carlson's an offensive defenseman. So I guess you're right in that in that sense. Uh, you have me in that argument. But <laughs> at the same time, Brent Burns has pulled a career year. It would be nuts to not say that he's not the best defenseman this year. Um, not just career year, I shouldn't say. I mean, he is doing a career year for him, but a, a career year in all defensemen. Um, and I, I feel like he, it's like this is going to be his consolation prize, considering he's not going to win the Hart Trophy. Um, yeah. So I mean, I yeah, I I'm pretty sure it's going to be Brent Burns, but it's just funny that now all all of a sudden Ottawa Senators fans are saying that. But Carlson plays defense now. It's like, it's like, yeah, but he That's, should be playing defense the entire time. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not like he never played defense before and then he's just learning it. But he, he's it, it's just showing a lot. Yeah, but more Brent Burns stats. plays defense too. When you're too. a superstar player and you lead the league in block shots, how many times have you seen that? Yeah, but but Brent Burns plays defense too. It's not like uh, I don't know. It's not like something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I know. That's what you should be doing. You're a defenseman. (laughs) I'm I'm just saying that Carlson is playing like the best all-around defenseman, and he's worked, you know, the off-season to prove that. And I just, I just find it, it it will just be hilarious that the very same reason he didn't win the award last year because he wasn't the best all-around defenseman will be (laughs) the same reason he will be. It'll be the exact opposite. He'll lose the award. This no, you're year. right. Oh yeah, because he lost to uh, he lost to Dowdy last year because he wasn't better the overall defenseman. defenseman. Yeah. And that Burns a good point. have a career year and he'd lose. That is a good point. I can't argue with that. But you do make a good argument. But I ultimately I think that uh, Burns will probably win uh, this just because he's nominated for the heart. Well, he will be nominated for the heart. Um, and I feel like this Norris Trophy will be the like consolation prize kind of thing. It'd be, yeah, it'd be weird if he. Knocking, yeah. I'm not knocking Brent Burns at all. Like he's he's yeah. nearing 30 goals at, since 2008 2009 when Mike Green did that with the Capitals. Yeah. No one scored 30 goals by defenseman. So. And he yeah and I just mentioned how he has uh, he's projected to get 86 points, um, yep. which is more than Carlson more had than last year. More than a game, yeah. Um, and and that's more than what a defenseman has done before. So. I feel like that's incredible, but, you know, at the same time, you're right. Like, it's one of those things where, like, he should have, Carlson should have won last year, but he didn't. Yeah. And it might be the same reason why he did, he's not going to win this year. Um, it would be just easier to give two yeah. different defensemen awards, but that will never happen. Yeah. So. The funnier thing, though, is that Justin Schultz might be nominated here um, as well, yeah. where, like, a couple of years ago, where he was maligned in Edmonton. Um, so it would be funny if, like, McDavid, Dubnik, 
and Schultz all are nominated because Dubnik and Schultz were both cast out from Edmonton yeah. and ended up being, um, you know, good, really good on their new team. And then McDavid, um, and then they ended up getting McDavid because uh, Dubnik and Schultz didn't live up to their expectations. And so it'd be, it'd be funny. Um, hey, next year Taylor Hall might get ninety points, and when and when the Art Ross, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Taylor Hall will be that guy. Um, it'll be kind of funny. It should, it, it should also be mentioned, by the way. Victor Edmonds got fifty three points. Schultz yep. is forty six. So it wouldn't surprise me if Edmonds was nominated as well. But. True. Yeah, I I I forgot to mention Edmonds, but Edmonds. But, but Schultz, Schultz should get some love because he's yep. he, he's he's producing better than he ever has uh, with the Oilers. So. Um. Vezina, we have some Vezina talk here. Um, I was actually, I, when I made my uh, pitch for uh, Duvnik, it was kind of stopped short because I realized that Holtby is now actually pretty good. Um, uh-huh. he, has, he has a 1.97 goals against average, a save percentage of 9.28. Duvnik still has that, but um, has that in the lead. He has a, Duvnik has, I'm um, I'm all over the place now. Dubnik has uh, 2.03 GAA. He already gave up two goals in the Blackhawks game right now. That's happening right now. I think he was pulled too. So, um, and he has a 9.32 save percentage. Um, and he, uh, um, and then the other guy uh, who will probably also get consideration is uh, Sergei Babarovsky who has a 2.07 GAA and a 9.30 save percentage. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think they all have around the same amount of wins. Uh, Dubnik and Bobrowski have 36 wins. Holtby has 34 wins. Um, but uh, it should be interesting. It should be a close race throughout. I'll be in- int- interested on... Who wins this one? But I have a feeling this is going to come down to the wire. Like, who's going to have the stronger finish um, will win this one. Yeah, um, to be perfectly honest, like, you look at um, the Washington Capitals. They they have a good team just overall. I mean, you look at Braden Holpe's numbers, and you consider the fact that Grubauer, the backup, has gone 10-5-2. His GAA is just over 2-18 in 18 appearances. So they're still winning without Braden Holpe. So I don't think he wins. Dubnik's been playing great. Without him, they're probably yep. average team, you know, with Kemper and the net. So he's probably going to get consideration. I think Bobrovsky wins. And I okay. picked him in episode 57 at the halfway point. I'm sticking with that pick. Okay. He he's is uh, got the third best GA amongst goalies with at least 30 appearances. Yep. Third in shutout, second save percentage, 36 wins, putting him in a tie for first. If you compare uh, Columbus's defense to Washington's defense – to Minnesota's defense, Columbus is the worst of the three, in my opinion. And that's not yeah, to say their that. defense is bad, but it's not as seasoned as Minnesota's defense and Washington's defense. Yet, he's been able to put up these numbers a year after he only played in just 37 games. And as a team without Sergey in the lineup last year, Columbus was 19-21-7. This year, they're 36-13-4 when he plays. And this team from last year is almost similar roster-wise to last year. Yeah. So it's it's remarkable how well Bobrovsky has played. So that's why I think he wins. However, 
Cam Talbot should also get consideration. Yep. He's first in the league in games played. He's got 60. He's faced the most shots, 1,753, again, subject to change. And he's still won 33 games. Yeah. And you look at the plan B. Plan B's been terrible for Edmonton this year. Gustafson played terrible to start the year. He was put on waivers. Brossois, Lauren Brossois has been called up, hasn't played much since. So this guy has been constantly relied on by the Edmonton Oilers, and yet he's put up a 2.39 GAA and a save percentage closer to 920. So he should absolutely get considered for this award. I don't think he's going to win because if you look at Holtby, Bobrovsky, and Dubnik, I don't know how you fit Cam Talbot into the top three there um, because, in my opinion, those three goalies, Bobrovsky, Dubnik, and Holtby, have all earned their place in the top three. But Dubnik should get some love for this as well because he's played like a Vezina (laughs) Trophy winning goalie in Edmonton. Um, You mean Talbot. Um, Yeah, right. (laughs) He used to be in Edmonton. Uh, Yeah, yeah. but yeah, no, but you have a, you bring up a good point that Holtby has just started to like he didn't have a great first half, um, so that might that's gonna hurt him because Dubnik and Bobrovsky have pretty much been wire to wire throughout the whole year, um, and now Holtby all of a sudden is um, doing better in terms of stats and stuff. But um, I think yeah, I I think I agree with you in terms of like Bobrovsky or the Columbus uh, defense has worse defense than Minnesota does. Um, and so Bobrovsky has to do more. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be Dubnik, but um, it could be uh, – there. there's a case to be made for it to be Bobrovsky. Um, other people, I guess, I don't think it's going to be – it could be – our guys like Tuka Rask or Craig Anderson, but I don't think it's going to be those guys. I think um, I think um, I think it's the Bill Masterson uh, Trophy. A player shows the most oh, resilience. Yeah. I think I think Anderson is a slam dunk to win that. Yeah, one. I agree with that. Um, he's been pretty good. Um, Jack Adams. Uh, this is the stupidest award for me because uh, it's. <laughs> Because uh, to me, I feel like it should just be like literally the best coach every year. So it's yeah. bad, bad so, like, talk. Yeah. Bob, Joel Quenville, Daryl Sutter. There yeah, you those go. guys. Yeah, just every year it's those three. <laughs> um, but uh, nope. It's instead it's always about the who's the most improved team. So yeah. we have um, Bruce Boudreaux here, uh, Torts, uh, McClellan, or I should say Minnesota, Columbus, Edmonton. And then you also have some players, uh, some team like teams like your Ottawa Senators and Guy Boucher, and the Calgary Flames with uh, I don't know his first name, but I know it's Glenn Goldson. Glenn, I thought it was Gary for some reason. No, but Glenn Goldson. Um, yeah. So you have those guys. Um, I feel like it's probably gonna be towards. I agree with you or McClellan. Um, Actually, it's probably going to be Torts or Boudreaux. Yeah, um, I think. Like, just, because, at... just because Minnesota and Columbus were, like, nowhere last year. Um, and now they've, like, you know, the both of those guys have improved the teams to the point where they're both going to make the playoffs and are favorites in the Stanley Cup. So I feel like that's the main reason. But then you also have to think about how, Edmi- how Edmonton is... Um, now, uh, doing well, um, 
under McClellan, although I guess he's a second-year coach as well. Uh, Goldson um, has kind of picked up the Calgary Flames. We're going to talk about them in a second. Um, they're now second in their division, so maybe uh, you know the Flames des- or Goldson deserves some credit for that, or uh, the Ottawa Senators, and uh, you know as well as anyone else, they're in first currently in the yep. Atlantic. Um, I'm jinxing this to hell, but uh, <laughs> they are, uh, you know, ahead. but like a lot of that has to do with Guy Boucher, so. Um, a lot of their success has to do with Guy Boucher, so like, it's like hard to knock that down. Um, so yeah, he deserves some mention as well, but I feel like it's going to be Boudreau towards... Um, and that third part point, I'm not sure who's going to get that Yeah, third spot, the third but. nominee is, 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 a, is a, it's yeah. honestly a 50-50 coin yeah. toss at this point. But like you look at all, all of the guys on Minnesota... Like, Charlie Coyle, uh, his career high is 42 points. He's got 46 now this year. Grayland's career high, he had, or, well, I don't know if his career high, but he had 44 points last year. He's got 62 this year. Jared Spurgeon had 29 points last year. This year he has 30. Eric Stahl didn't even have 40 points last year. He's got 51 this year. A lot of guys in Minnesota are having big years, and Boudreaux's a big reason for that. Yeah. And you look at Torts and, the, and, 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 like, with Minnesota, they weren't a bad team. But they are a cup contender, which they weren't last year, yeah. and they're a lot better team this year. Uh, with with Columbus, you're right. The transformation that Torts has has shown with this team it's it's incredible what he's done within a year, year and a half. They're really buying into his system, um, and and the fact of the matter is, you know, whether they face you know their first second, first second, third, fourth seed, like they're the team that you don't want to play against, right. and and do you know what? Montreal might get them. You know, if Montreal, whoever wins the Atlantic, they might get Columbus in round one. That's going to be a tough matchup if yep. if, if Columbus may, uh, finishes in the final uh, the first wild card spot. Although, um, if you do you know if the uh, if the playoffs were today, uh, who would Montreal would play Boston right now? Oh, you know, that would be exciting. Oh, that but, would be a great wide yeah. way to watch for me. Yeah, I know. You no probably... emotional ties whatsoever. Just exactly. Each other. <laughs> Although I think you guys play Columbus. Oh no, you guys play the Rangers if, if the playoffs were today. Yeah, we've been pretty good at MSG. But not, the playoffs uh, aren't today. Yeah. The playoffs aren't today. Yeah, um, you're right. Todd McClellan, like he's he, he he's right up there. I I mean, Oilers where they were at the start of the year to where they are now. He's definitely should be considered. But look at Boucher. I mean. The MacArthur gets hurt early on. The, this team carries on without him. Anderson takes a leave of absence. They get Mike Conn in there. Still keep winning. Anderson comes back. They still win. Uh, it's very tough to not put Guy Boucher into this conversation right now. He's yeah. he's done everything he could to be a candidate for the Jack Adams. And, and Glenn Gullitson, um, we're, we're going to talk about the Calgary Flames' current win streak in a bit, but... He, uh, what what he's done during that time is remarkable, he, and just the way everyone's been able to buy in, he, he really has them playing to a system right now, and they're getting results. Yeah, that's true. I, it's it's gonna be t- it's tough to say to predict who's gonna win, but I'm I think at the moment I think it's probably gonna be Boudreaux, um, just because he fits that whole um, what they've done in the past of like oh the the worst team to the best team, but 
Um, yeah. It's it's either Boudreaux or Torts, I think, is it's really that. Even though Gullitson, McClellan, and Boucher all deserve some credit um, for their team success. Um, regarding to the poll of the week here, um, in honor of Eichel, who had an 11-game point streak, but that was broken on Friday, um, but it, it was pretty good. Um, he had five goals and 15 assists. He currently has 47 points in his 48 games, um, which is like basically a McDavid-type number. Um, so he's quietly having a really, really good season. It's just, you know, he's, he kind of had half of them. Um, it made me think of, uh, the fact that, um, the last two first overall picks are, um, pretty good. You have, uh, McDavid out in Edmonton. We just talked about that at the start of the show. Um, you have Toronto with Austin Matthews, which, which we've also talked about. You all, you have, uh, Buffalo now with Eichel and Winnipeg with Patrick Lining. So I asked um, for a poll of the week, which team will win the Stanley Cup first, Edmonton, Buffalo, Toronto, or Winnipeg? And Edmonton has... And Edmonton won the poll. Um, they have 57% of the vote. Then Toronto has 30% of the vote. Um, Winnipeg had 9% of the vote. And Buffalo has 4% of the vote. Um, I guess that makes sense somewhat. Um, Edmonton currently has more points than all three of these teams. Um, and, uh, and Toronto makes sense too, because there's a lot of, we have a lot of Toronto followers here, so I guess that makes sense. But, um, I don't know. I feel like Buffalo is closer than people realize. Um, but, uh, we shall see. Um, I guess they just need to get a better goalie and some more depth guys. But, um, yeah. you know, they have Ristolainen's ha- also having a good year, too, for yeah. them. And uh, Ryan O'Reilly's finally picking it up. Um, it's just, you know, they've been hampered by injuries. So I feel like if Buffalo was more healthy, they'd be more in the race. First, they would be more in the playoff race. And secondly, um, you know, they probably would have, been um they would have gotten more votes here but um yeah it makes sense that people think that Edmonton's uh, will win first I don't know personally know who I think will win the Stanley Cup first but uh well like as far as their defense goes I mean Darnell Nurse and Oscar Clefbaum they need some more seasoning but I like their overall direction once those guys get better Leafs are well on their way they've got they got a good young offense. Their defense steadily improving, and they've got a solid number one goalie, which is something they've been they really haven't found since Cujo left. True. And Frederick Anderson looks to be that guy. The Jets have everything they need to win the cup. I think they win it first. They just need consistency. That's the big thing that this team needs. Yeah, I think um, I do think though that Toronto has the better front office with Lou Lamarillo and Mike Babcock. Um compared to all the other ones, but... Yeah, that's true. I don't and know. that could make a big difference as well. Yeah. But getting back to Eichel for a second, last yep. year he had eight power play goals and 21 points in 81 games. Equal his power play goal total. He's two power play points shy of equaling his total from last year. And, again, he's playing, like, half the game so far. Right. And his plus-minus has also improved. 
Uh, he also became the second player in the 2015 draft class to register 100 career points. And he's the second player in NHL history to get a point versus 29 NHL teams in his first two years. The first was Artemi Panarin. Yeah, we should mention, though, that uh, Eichel, that McDavid will probably get 100 points pretty soon. But yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and, and Eichel play, you know, and McDavid was injured for most of last year, so it's um, it's tough to say. Well, he's, exactly he's already reached 100 career points, McDavid has, but yeah. um, but 100 points season, yeah, at some point I think we see McConnell. I think, yeah, I think, oh yeah, that's a good point. Um. Yeah, let's let me look quickly. Yeah, McDavid has 123 points, but yeah, um, career points. But yeah, uh, yeah, I guess you're right. That is a cool thing. But yeah, I think it's now it's like the comparison between Eichel and McDavid is legitimate here um, because of Eichel's recent uh, streak in um, season here. So uh, we'll see. Um, I think most everyone will pick um, McDavid um, as of those four guys. I was originally going to say, like, who would you rather on your team? And then I was like, everyone's going to say McDavid. It's like, yeah. not even a question. Um, let's, uh, speaking of the Leafs and Matthews, uh, the Leafs have 76 points. They're currently two points behind the third place in the Atlantic, which is Boston. Um, they currently are in the wild card. They have a five goal differential, plus five goal differential right now. Um, it's really, to me, it's really just, um, yeah, so they're two points behind, uh, Boston. Um, it's, to me, it's really just between, it, it does look like Boston is a different team than they were last year. Um, but it, it, so it, it, there just keeps, they keep on winning. So it's really, I think Toronto is actually in, they have to fight for either the, it's either the Islanders spot or that wildcard spot or that third spot. And I think they'll get at least one of those. So, um, but I think they, I think they're in just, (laughs) Yeah, well, again, getting back to that time where the Buds clause, uh, cost uh, Claude Julian his job in Boston, right. since that fateful Saturday night game at TD Garden, um, the Toronto Maple Leafs have given up the second most shots against. They've given up the seventh most goals against. Over those 17 games, they've gotten 7-5-5, seven, five, and five, which isn't overly bad, yep. but that's five extra points on the table that they've left on there. And in 12 of those 17, Toronto's offense has scored three or less. And in two of the three games where their offense has scored five or more, overtime was needed. The good news is they've won three in a row. Florida has lost four straight. So the Leafs are seven points up on them in the wildcard standings. You look at the Flyers who have lost two in a row. And uh, the first of those two defeats came against the Leafs. Leafs also won the season series with that 4-2 victory on Thursday, which is huge if you need a tiebreaker. Um, But they've got a tough road ahead. They've got two more games with Tampa, and that's huge because the Bolts are three points behind them as of Saturday, or as of Sunday morning, rather. Um, it should be noted the season series is also tied at one game apiece, so those two games will decide the winner mm. um, of the season series, most likely. 
And then they've got a game against the Bruins on March 20th. The Bruins are two points ahead of them in the standings, as you probably alluded to uh, earlier. And the Leafs already have the season series in the bag. So that game on the 20th might not have any massive implications on the season series, but if they want to catch up to Boston, they need that win. They also get Columbus twice. They get Pittsburgh, and they get Chicago, along with a few other key divisional matchups. So they're young but they're streaky at the same time. And I think the next street they go on, whether it's good or bad, determines whether or not they're going golfing again or they're going to the playoffs. Yeah. It is funny how, I mean, we did mention in our poll of the week, like Edmonton and Toronto are the favorites, and it's like weird. Like a couple of years ago, we would have been laughing at them. Because we're yeah. Like, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's true. I feel like Toronto is in a good mindset. I, I love Mike Babcock. I'm actually sneaky a Toronto fan for some reason. Like I know I shouldn't be, but uh, I kind of am. Um, but yeah, I, f- I have a feeling that they're going to make the playoffs. Um, but um, whether that be the wild card or they'll knock my Bruins out, um, that remains to be seen. Um, I think it'll most likely be a wild card if they get in. Yeah, uh, that remains to be seen. Uh, uh, that. Speaking of wild card spots, the other team that uh, the Leafs are competing against are the uh, New York Islanders. They have uh, 75 points. That's one point behind Toronto at the moment. Um, the uh, they they're unfortunately they're in the Metropolitan Division, um, and the Rangers, uh, who are in fourth place currently have 88 points, and that's about, uh, like, 18 points ahead of So yeah. they're 18 points ahead of them. So they don't really have a chance. Um, yeah, they've got the it. They have to. Whoever's in the wild card yeah, right now. They don't yeah. have the luxury with Toronto because they, uh, like Toronto does, because they're in the, Toronto's in the Atlantic, but uh, they probably won't get, they, they won't. Um, I'll, I'll say that definitively. They won't catch up to the Rangers. However, I did see that since um, the uh, Islanders have fired uh, Jack Capuana, the Islanders have the most points in the league um, since that point. Um, Actually, I double-checked. Apparently, the best record, they have the fourth best record. Guess who owns the best record? Since that point? Since that point. Um, you're, uh, I'm going to say the Senators. I don't know. Yep, you would be <laughs> correct. <laughs> well, Senators okay. Are the best. Well, this was, Senators okay. Are the best. I have this, I found this statistic. This was 20 hours ago. So this was last, yeah. so this was before last year, but yeah. But, but still fourth best. That's still, pretty good. Yeah, that's still pretty good. Um, but, uh, so they, they have picked it up recently in terms of their, um, yeah, because for the beginning of the year, they were kind of like, um, it was really a question of if they were going to be the first overall pick or not, um, and now they they might make the playoffs, which would be kind of crazy. Um, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, unfortunately, but um, it is kind of cool that they uh, that their cha- a change like that happens. Um, we should mention, though, that Tavares has 58 points. He's picked it up. Um, Anders Lee has picked it up, too. I don't have his point stats right uh, now. I but, do. 
Tangles and 20 points over his last 24 games. Anders Lee has yeah. got uh, since the coaching change. Josh Bailey has 20 points in his last 25. Andrew Ladd leads the team with 11 goals since the coaching change. How about that, eh? Wow. And then you also have Ryan Strom who has 15 points in his last 25. So he's been a bit more consistent as well. Um, but you're right. Uh, Tavares has been the driving force for this team. And, and this is a team that... After the coaching change, they've won 40% of the face-offs, which is second worst behind only Edmonton, which kind of shows how how overrated face-offs are, I guess. Yep. You know, if <laughs> Edmonton's probably going to make the playoffs this year. Right. But even then, you know, they have the fourth most goals for, seventh most shots for, and a penalty kill just underneath the top ten since the coaching change. That's, that's fantastic if you're the Islanders. Um, I, I think... Just, just based on the schedule, uh, they, they've got nine divisional games still left to go. Three of those are against Carolina, which if they take all three, that's six points right there. And um, they also go up against the Rangers, Penguins, and Blue Jackets, so that's going to be a tough one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then March 25th, they host a Bruins team that doesn't want to follow the top three in the Atlantic. Uh, but they could be jousting for a wildcard spot if that's indeed the case. So that game could have major implications in a couple weeks' time when it happens. So um, I think if they w- if they do a good job, they beat the teams they're supposed to beat, and they win those tough divisional games and win that Boston game, I think the Islanders are a playoff team. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I just realized, I just realized we're we're an hour into our podcast right now, so. <laughs> And we haven't even usual. we haven't touched the rapid fire yet, so um, I think we have to get going. Uh, okay. <laughs> rapid fire. Uh, this should actually be a rapid fire. Uh, Flames have won nine straight. Um, I don't think they play today, so yeah, there, there's no jinx involved here. Uh, Flames have won nine straight. Elliot has two consecutive shutouts, um, and I think they're second in the um, in their division right now. Yeah, they um, are, and that win streak, believe it or not, their longest since the team moved from yeah. Atlanta, which is incredible. Yeah. And they did that against the other team that moved from Atlanta, that would be Winnipeg. Yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. Um, NHL bye week's going to be split to just two weeks. Um, this kind of shows that maybe they aren't going to the Olympics. Um, Probably even Bettman has said so. They are. He said that they are treating next season like they aren't going to the Olympics. It would really be a shame because the. Um, it's. I understand why, like from a business perspective, I guess it makes sense and why owners wouldn't want it because players get injured and whatnot, and they don't want to risk that. Um, and it takes like two weeks out of the you know the schedule. Um, but at the same time, it's like players love it, fans love it. Um, I just got excited thinking about it because I feel like USA has their best shot in years, um, but um, I don't think I, I don't think they're gonna have one. But maybe this is like a pow- I'm, I'm just hoping right now this is like a power play to the Olympic committee. You, you, you know, know what? Uh, you know why the bye weeks are in place? Apparently, it's an agreement between the players' association and the yeah. NHL. Um, that okay if you do the three-on-three format in the all-star game then we get a five-day buy right. and if you want to keep the three-on-three format and ditch the buy the new agreement has to be reached that's the condition right. um so what's interesting is that the three-week olympic break happens in february and this is 
you know, like I said, designed to happen probably like early to mid February. So that's right. an interesting point. Um, and, and Bill Daly basically said they won't go if things don't change soon. And then Jacob, Jakob Voracek, uh, that prompted this angry quote from him. Quote, yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous. We have it once every four years. I read something that Bill Daly said, we're not going. Nobody wants you to go. The players want to go. Yeah. You're not part of the Players Association. Nobody wants you there. They want the players. It's not just about business. You want to be part of the Olympics. And he went on to say, try telling Ovechkin and the Russians they can't play. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I was thinking that, like, Ovechkin's going to, like, go anyways, even if, yeah. if uh, any yeah. won't let him. I think that's going to yeah. be the tipping point is if Ovechkin says, if you're not, take it, if you're not yeah. uh, letting us go, I'm going anyway. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't... I don't for I don't, unfortunately, I don't think it's gonna happen. It's stupid, but I feel like if I feel like the, if the Olympics were in like yeah I don't know, like an actual like a country that kind of needs growth, like um like if this was in I'm trying to think of like a like if this was in Sweden, then I, I think they would do it in a second in a heartbeat. Um, yeah. Or like any country that has a like a country that has a lot of hockey players, but like in Korea, they're not gonna do it. But South like, Korea, yeah, they're not yeah. they're not a hockey powerhouse. However, they're probably like I think the next Winter Olympics after Korea is in uh, China, and I think they are going to do that, even though China isn't great in hockey right now. So I feel like they're yeah. going to. As just, a matter of fact, I think I hear you know. that they're going to be doing uh, exhibition games in China. Oh, interesting. Um, Jumbo has got his a thousandth career assist. Um, he's, is the, I, I guess I asked this in our, in our lineup email, but I have a feeling it's like, it's a no brainer. He's a, he's a hall of fame, right? Well, he's the 13th player in NHL history to reach a thousand career yep. assists. And since he entered the league, nobody's recorded more power play points, total yep. points and assists. And only Patrick Marlowe and Jerome McGinley have played more games than him. So, uh, I, 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 you know, even if he doesn't win a Stanley Cup, I think he gets in eventually. Is he going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer? I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's is the question. Is he going to get in the Hall of Fame? I think he should. I think that's the question is if he is like, if he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Fame or when is he going to get in? Um, not like if he's going to get in, but um, yeah, yeah I th he's the best, he's been the best assist man uh, in present history you know, post-lockout, so um, I think he he definitely deserves it. I don't know if, it's it's kind of stupid when you think about it, like he has to win a cup and, and that way he'll be, a, you know, that in that sense he'll be a Hall of Fame, but like that's more of a team sport. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't, it shouldn't matter. But, yeah, um, I mean, you look at Andrew yeah. Shaw, he's got two Stanley Cups. Do you think he's going to the yeah. Hall of Fame? I mean, you, can, like, you, you never yeah. know what could happen, but right now... Brian Bickle has three three Stanley Cups, yeah. you know? It's like... Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah. got one. And it also shows how stupid the top 100 list is, speaking of which, because, you know, Joe Thornton wasn't, not, wasn't in there um, when he really should have been. Um... Las Vegas signs their first player, Reed Duke. Um, I believe he's of the Sarnia Sting. Is that right? No, London. No, Brandon, 
a Brandon uh, differently to the WHL, but he's okay. he's pretty good. <laughs> <that> uh, <laughs> he, he's pretty good. He's um he's got 55 goals and 113 yep. points in 120 WHL games over the last two years. Um, also got 24 points in 21 playoff games with Brandon last year. I think he also went to the Memorial Cup with them as well. Um, and in it, last year he got 33 goals. This year he's got 35 goals and 70 points in 56 games. Uh, Kelly McCrimmon, who is now the assistant GM of the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, was Reed's coach and GM for the last two years uh, over in Brandon, where he played. And this this is this is hilarious. Uh, apparently, um, there's this guy somewhere else in the world named Reed Duke. Have you ever heard of Magic the Gathering before? Yeah, the card game. Uh, apparently, there's a Reed Duke that won the national title in 2011, and people flooded his Twitter thinking he was the hockey player. Oh, that's funny. So he's just like, I think I'm going off Twitter for a while. Congrats yeah. to the hockey player who did something awesome. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um... I'm kind of surprised that he wasn't, uh, like, no other team signed him, but, or drafted him, but I guess, I guess, uh, LV got their first player, so. Yeah, in um, five years, people are gonna, this will be the subject of every single hockey It'll be, like, a trivia question or something, yeah. (laughs) Bonus points galore for that one. Um, speaking of Las Vegas and the expansion draft, um, it looks like GMs aren't going to make their protection list public. I understand, again, this, like the Olympics, I understand why GMs and owners don't want this to happen, but at the same time, it's kind of, it makes us, you know, like, we can't hold these GMs accountable for their actions and stuff, and, um, I don't know, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea, but, um, I get it. Um, Want to hear my conspiracy theory? Sure. Whole thing's going to be televised. They want as much suspense leading up to it as possible. Get as much people watching it, and uh, yeah. see who gets drafted. I mean, I do know it's not. I do know it's not official yet, so they could change their mind. But at the moment, I think they should televise it, though. I think they should. Yeah, I think they should, but I don't know if they will because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I forget what they did in the last expansion draft, but I don't think they televised that either. But yeah, maybe they will. I don't know. We'll see. All right, we have some injuries here. Uh, Lundqvist is out two to three weeks on a lower body injury. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be tough for the Rangers. But um, as we just mentioned, the Rangers are kind of in the playoffs already. So um, they don't, it's, it's, it's going to be tough, but we'll see. Um, yeah, it's uh, due to a strain in his hip, apparently. Muscle oh, strain in his hip, that's now. what they're calling it. Okay, because uh, I had reports that it was just a lower body injury. So I well, that's what they're calling it, that. but I, I heard, according to NHL.com, he's going to miss a good chunk doctor. of the month of March due to a muscle strain in his hip. Okay, so we know what body part. Now all these players know what to hit. Yeah, now <laughs> they know where to shoot, yeah. Yeah, they know where to shoot. Um, Toby Enstrom... Uh, got hit by Tom Sacito. He's out indefinitely. Sacito got four games for that hit. Um, I guess that's fair. I didn't really see the hit, but I think that's well, fair. That, what happened is that Enstrom was going for the puck. He turned his back, and then Sacito checked him into the num- uh, by the numbers into the boards. But uh, and you know, he, tur- he yeah, he turned his play, and 
uh, in Sestillo's word, the onus is on the player with the puck. The big debate is whether or not Sestillo had enough time to fall back from the check or limit the impact. He finished his check. Toby got hit on the numbers. Sestillo now is a four-game suspension. I, I think it was, I think it was justified. I, I don't know what the verdict would have been had it not been had it been someone else delivering the hit, not Tom Sestillo. But I mean. The only reason, in my opinion, although they didn't say it, the only reason he was called up, remember, this is Penguins-Jets. Malkin had that controversial hit on Wheeler that wasn't called. Right. So, odds are, you're not putting, as as Paul Maurice said, you're not calling him up to dangle, so to speak. Right, right. You're, you're there to, you know, protect your players. So, um, sure. that's probably the only reason why he was there. And, and just a shout-out to Malkin. Right away, dropped the gloves with Wheeler, got it out of the way. Much respect. That's how things should be settled. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, and then lastly on our injury list, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning had, this is, we mostly have this up here because it's, it's, um, it's a kind of rarity, but three centers, there three of their centers uh, got injured in the same game. Um, at the same time, Paquette, Nemistikov, and Tyler Johnson um, and this is also a team that has their top center out as well with Steven Stamkos. So uh, they all have lower body injuries. Um, Paquette, Nimbus, Guffin, Johnson do. Um, yeah, they're, 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 they're all day-to-day at, at, at this point. All three missed Saturday's game against Florida, yep. which Tampa came back to win after trailing 2 nothing. So even with all those injuries, they're still finding ways to win. Right. Uh, Yannick Gerd, Adam Ernie, and uh, Joe Witowski, I believe, were the trifecta of prospects that were recalled for that divisional game. Um, Braden Point is the current number one center until either one or all three of those guys return to the lineup. So we'll see what happens. And then lastly, we have, before we get to the Bruins Sen segment, uh, lastly, we have um, Ole Jokinen retires. He's a Florida Panther. Um, as a Florida Panther, but it's kind of interesting because I don't know. I, I, I think of him more as a Winnipeg Jet kind of guy or a <laughs> Nashville Predator. But um, yeah, he retires as the Florida Panther. Um, yeah, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Speaking of Hall of Fames, but no, I, I um, think he's going to get his number retired. He's yeah. all-time leader in points, goals, game winners, overtime game winners, power play points, and shots on goal. So, and Wait. he still lives in Florida and. Helps out the community. He's got the South Florida yeah. hockey cat that he started. I'm actually with looking here. Max. He he played for the Panthers for eight seasons. Yeah. Nice. So he, he's he's he, he, and he was their captain too. So. Yeah. Well, okay. I guess I'm wrong. I thought he yeah, was so like he, he, I, I, he doesn't have as much of a Hall of Famer numbers as Alfie right. does, but I think he's going to be recognized as much as Alfie was in Ottawa. So yeah, that's true. Um. All right, speaking of Alfie, um, we're going to the Bruins Send segment here. Uh, the uh, So our, our teams played on Monday. I guess we can recap this together. Um, the, uh, the the Sens, uh, I can just start with the, you can do your analysts afterwards, but I'll say who scored and whatnot. So the Senators um, scored uh, two early game, two early goals. In the first period, Derek Broussard and John Gabriel Pacot got the Pajot, first. Yeah, Pajot. Yeah, opening three twenty-five of the yeah. game too. It was it was, it was terrible uh, yeah. <laughs> for for me. 
uh, just because uh, those were like those were fluky goals for those were stuff that Rask should have had, but whatever. Um, but then uh, Patrice Bergeron and Tori Crew got the first period goals, um, or got you know got a, Patrice Bergeron got a goal, um, so that, to end the first period. Second period, uh, no one scored. Third period, um, Mike Hoffman scored um, in the middle. The Bruins started to play well in the third period. I thought they were going to do it because uh, Brad Marchand got a goal. That was his 30th of his career, or his, of the year, career. Um, and um, so it was 3-2 at that point. And then in the last uh, second... Uh, I guess Alex Burroughs got the uh, empty netter, um, of course. Um, but the Bruins played really well in the second and third, but the uh, Ottawa Senators were able to hold on. I do have to give you your uh, your Senators credit. You guys held on. You're, you're a better team than I remembered you were last year, at least. So you're definitely improved. Craig Anderson was really good. Um it was just you know, it was just those two early goals uh, that hurt the Bruins. I feel like if those didn't happen, um, it would you know it would have been close, but not so much. Yeah, you're right. They and thank you for the congratulatory <laughs> thing. Um, like the Sens didn't dominate the game, but they yeah. got up to a great start, which is something that they haven't done in past years. I think it was the best start they had to a game all year. Um, the bees just ran out of time to make something happen. And yeah. I, I give credit to Pasternak and Tory crew. They combined for seven of Boston's 17 block shots in that loss. So the fact these talented youngsters are, uh, helping with the, the down and dirty stuff, yeah. that's encouraging news for, uh, Bruce Cassidy and his bunch. So yeah, they've, they've been really good on the defensive side this year. So that's, that's definitely something that they've, you know, last previous years, they haven't been so good in that, but. Um, they've been they've been picking it up on that end, so that's nice. Sorry, <laughs> continue going. Yeah, um, but but yeah, that's 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 pretty much all I wanted to say in, in that game. You can you can rant about uh, okay. your, your, the Bruins the rest of the way, and I'll chime in. Sure, I guess I'll 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 talk about the Bruins here. Yeah. Um. So the uh, so then we played. Um. Yeah. We we only had three games this week. Um, we played the uh, Red Wings on Wednesday. Uh, Hart Trophy Marshawn had Hart Trophy candidate Marshawn had two goals. Uh, so did Krejci. Also had two goals. Um, he also had an assist. Um, you know, Drew Stafford had a goal and an assist. Uh, we're going to talk about Drew Stafford in a minute. Um, but you know, this was. Uh, the Red Wings, it's weird to think of the Red Wings as, like, a terrible team, but they, yeah. they weren't good. Um, I was happy, of course, but um, it was it was just, like, I just never seen them so, like, look le- so lackluster. I kind well, of, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. more satisfying when you beat the Red Wings in the past because you know yeah, you earned exactly. that win. But this one, it this, just didn't feel but, like you yeah. earned wins against them anymore. This is, this, yeah, now it's just felt like, oh, right, we beat the Red Wings. Like, yeah, we, we, just, like, we just beat but, them. Yeah. And, and the start, the start yeah. was much better, too. Three goals in, the, in two minutes, 25 true. seconds. That's, yep. that's what they didn't have in the Ottawa game. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then... 
Uh, the Saturday game against the Flyers was more exciting. Um, we uh, scored, the uh, David Pasternak scored in the first. Um, then we kind of uh, we didn't play so well in the second period. In fact, the uh, Flyers tied it. Jordan Wheel uh, tied it there. And then, <laughs> so it kind of remained the same. We didn't play great either, but we, like, we were, we were kind of just, um, but neither did the Flyers either. This was like a matinee. We never really played great in a matinee. But um, the, Steve Mason actually play, is starting to play really well. I feel like it's a little too, too little, too late kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, in the last, in the third period, uh, the last five seconds, uh, Drew Saffer just tosses it into the net. Um, I don't know if he was even shooting it. He was just like, he was just trying to give it away, I guess, dump it. Um, and he ended up scoring. Uh, Mason uh, mishandled the puck, and it went in. Um, and Drew Stafford now has four points in four in the four games that the, he's played on the Bruins. Um, he's already the best. Um, we won the trade. It's the best trade that uh, Don Sweeney has ever made. Um, and um, so I, I'm happy that uh, Stafford has at least had some success. Um, it's just now if he can be consistent. Um, because, you know, we got him for a six-round pick. Um, so it's, yeah. it's kind of nuts. He's already better than Lee Stemniak. I don't think Lee Stemniak even had, like, a, a kind of moment like that. But it was it was pretty cool that, like, all, like, I was just getting set up for the OT. And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, Stafford, we scored. Woo! <laughs> kind of yeah. thing. Um, other points, Spooner has a concussion, um, which means that, uh, I think we called up, not Solaric, we called up Sarniak, um, but that might be an issue if Spooner is serious in the long term. Um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because yeah. Spooner was just starting to find his game. He's exactly. got 10 of his 34 points since the start of February. So a tough loss for the team and for him because he was playing so Exactly. Well. But um, but we should see it's now on our third line is Sarniak, Vetrano, and Jimmy Hayes. Um, but So that should be an interesting to see how yeah. that goes. <laughs> should be an interesting um, Yeah, for sure. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what happened to Solaric. Oh, I guess Solaric is uh, called back, but he was he was pretty good for us until we um, for a bit. Oh, right, because Matt Bolesky came back. That's right. Oh, okay. Um, that's why. But um, but he was pretty good for a bit. Um, and then we have um, although I guess he's healthy scratch, so I don't know if he's recalled. Um, and then, um, oh, and also Pasternak is almost to 30 goals, um, which is already his career year, but, um, he's, uh, he's on his way to being a good, um, you know, being one of our better players or being one of the good, not just in the Bruins, but overall in the league. Um, he has 28 goals. I think he's kind of their assist. Max Pacioretty in a sense. Like, yeah. he's their goal scorer. Basically. Um, and the best part about him is that he can play well with Krejci and Bergeron um, and Spooner as well. So it's like 
he's not reliant on which center you line him up with. Yeah, you can, and that and that's a coach's yeah. dream when you, when you can juggle your lines like that. Exactly. So that's the that's the cool part about him, and that's something that like we d- we didn't really have with Sagan in terms of that. It's because like Sagan was mostly with Bergeron, and he didn't really play well with Krejci on the line, and Spooner wasn't even in the league then. But it's like um, so in that sense, it's like all right, we have someone who's um, we have, like, a Sagan replacement of sorts in that sense, but, um, obviously, he hasn't been as good as Sagan is, but, um, uh, it's, 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 it's nice to see that, like, since we messed up that trade, um, that we have someone who we can look forward to, um, just, we have to sign him, I believe he's on his last year on his contract, but he's an RFA, hopefully we get it done, though. Um, and we don't trade them. Um, I think that's it. Um, I talked about heart candidacy, heart candidate Marshawn a bit, but yeah, that's it. Um, now, right. who, who did the Bruins oh, yeah, have? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have to, let me look. I think we play, we're on the West, we're in Western Canada this week. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We play the Canucks on Monday in Vancouver. Then on Wednesday, we play Calgary, and Thursday, we play Edmonton. Um, and then, um, yeah, we don't play on Saturday. We or have Sunday. a break until Monday, where we play Toronto, and then Ottawa yeah, the next that'll day. that'll be a big game yeah. on the 20th, yeah. But that's in two weeks. Yeah, and that's in Toronto as well. And that's in Toronto, yeah. And then we play Ottawa the next day at home, <laughs> which is nuts. Um <laughs> But, um, all right, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, we're, yeah, we're out in Canada. Yeah. Yeah, Canada Central, for sure. Basically. Um, so we talked about the Boston game. That was a big win. Uh, then, uh, but, you know what, that win means nothing if they lay an egg on their three-game road trip. Uh, they get it going against Dallas on Wednesday. Uh, and a pair of firsts took place right off the bat. Frederick Lason got his first career NHL goal. And Victor yeah. Stahlberg scored his first ever power play goal. I guess there's a first time for everything there. True. Um, but again, the Sens got off to a good start. They built on their lead, shut it down in the third. They went 5-2. Um, and then the next night they faced a, rest, uh, uh, they faced a Coyotes club that's pretty well rested. Um, Arizona had a 2-1 lead late in the game. Then Captain Carlson comes in. He ties it. And then 40 seconds in overtime, he wins it. Um, and in that game, you know, it, that game, honestly, wasn't really Ottawa's best effort. But as Guy Boucher alluded to in his postgame comments, this team was just able to find a way to fight back from adversity. They bent, but they didn't break. Um, Stone gets hurt. Team isn't playing well. They find, they find a way to get two points. And Mike Condon um, hasn't played since February 28th. He comes in, stops 39-41 of 41 against the Coyotes. So he did his job, uh, and it's it's just finding ways to win, and that's what this team has been able to do, and and that's that's the kind of the good feeling I get. I never think that we're really out of a game of this season. There were a lot of times last year where I've thought that, but this year uh, he's got Boucher has gotten playing to a system, and it's really paying off for them. Uh, and then the Saturday game, which Brett tried to jinx us there, he emailed us. <laughs> 
like Seds are winning five in a row, so I'm totally jinxing you. Yeah. And you know what? That's totally valid because we're playing in Colorado. It's well, that, that was mean, the mean one. I was just like, hey, six. You're playing six in a row. Yeah. 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 Honestly, that's that's the game I thought we were going to lose because I thought the Sens were going to lose that game because it had trap right. game written all over it. But then I remember Colorado is just that bad of a team. So Sens went 4-2 in that game, although they gave up the first goal. The first 10 minutes or so, they played good. Um, they got back to doing what they did best in the second. And in the final 40 minutes, Colorado had just six shots on net, which is pathetic. Um, but... Again, it's it's a boost of confidence that I think Ottawa welcomes, and that's and that's timely because the next week is really going to test them. They host a Tampa Bay team that's still within striking distance of the final wild card spot, um, and then they host the always deadly Chicago Blackhawks on Thursday, uh, who they have already beaten this year. So that also probably gives them something to be confident about heading into Thursday, and then Saturday and Sunday a very critical home-and-home home with the Montreal Canadiens. So the four points are up for grabs there, potentially. Uh, in my opinion, those two games determine who takes the Atlantic Division title because yeah, if, you include, if you include those two games, Ottawa's got three games with Montreal left, and then they get two more games with Boston. So those five games are going to be very, very critical to how this team does uh, when it's all said and done. So... Um, so, it, oh. in, in that sense, Ottawa's far from out of the woods yet. You were saying? Yeah, you. Uh, I was going to remind you about the new logo, possibly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, before I get to that, by the way, shout out to Craig Anderson. Okay. All-time franchise leader in wins. He passed Patrick Laleem with that nice. win in Colorado. Yeah. So, Congrats. he's all alone top of uh, the franchise all-time wins list. Yeah, the, uh, you know the, um, I don't know if you've seen the uh, Throwback Thursday a black jersey logos with the O on yeah. the front. I think that's kind of the design that they're probably going to be going for. Yeah, um, I kind of like that idea. Uh, I never understood why you guys have the uh, center on as your logo because it's it's like because it looks cool, man. Yeah, but it's not really a senator. It's like a I don't know. <laughs> it's a warrior. You're not like the Spartans. I don't know. The Boston Bruins primary logo doesn't look like a Bruin. It just has to be on the no, chest. No, I, I, I know. Well, we our our alternate has a bear on it, though. I know. I know the alternate <laughs> has a bear on it. I know. But the primary one doesn't. Yeah, no, the primary one. But, no, you're you're right. That's a fair point. So you're you're arguing <laughs> shot dead right there. Yeah, but, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, but and the Canadians, it just has a C on yeah, the front. You know. Right. That's true. Like, that's true. There's there are a lot of logos that are just curious. Like I I looked at the Sabers logo, the 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 red and gray one. Yeah. Like I didn't even know what that thing was until I looked at it a certain way all these years later. I'm just like, oh, that's supposed to be the head. <laughs> I thought it was a weird looking thing, and the horns were just like its face or something. Like it. Wait, which one are you talking about? The red and gray the, the one. Buffalo Sabers one that. Um, when Hashik had those Oh, season. those ones. Yeah, I'm looking at yeah. it now. <laughs> you didn't I realize that was an actual bill? It was until, like, years after they got rid of it. <laughs> so, uh, logos are funny things. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Um, but That's true. You know what? I'm a fan of the old school logo, but I like to keep the Centurion. But the, Tom Anselmi, the new, C, the, the, the new uh, CEO, um, 
he, 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 he talked about possible, you know, change, like giving this team a new identity. So it wouldn't surprise me if they did it, but I, I hope they keep the Centurion logo in some way, shape, or form because I still like the logo. Yeah. But um, I, I can understand why they would go into the retro. Cause I the, do like the, the red the ones, but I do the like the O's better. Yeah, the old school black jersey logo, yeah. that looks good. So I, I like that Especially, one. Especially, have sure. you seen the one with the, like the red jersey with the O on it? That looks pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it, I think... Maybe the the newer one that uh, they debut that could be the alternate one. Right. Is uh, the stadium series game when they get that one? Yeah, yeah, so that's possible. Too. Interesting to see which one that is. But um, just taking a look at uh, the improvements that they made, we talked about this at around the quarter mark or halfway point or whatever. Um, like I said, they're tied with the Habs for first in the Atlantic. That could. Uh, and after the Habs Oilers game, they'll still have two games on Montreal as well. Um, they're 26-4-2 and when they get the first goal this year. That helps their case. Um, already a better record than they posted last year when they scored first. And they've got, give or take, 15 games left in the regular season. And the one thing that hasn't changed, though, is how much this team relies on one-goal games. I mean, when they made that miraculous run two years ago, um, over half their games to be precise 46 of their 82 games were decided by a goal and the Sens were 20 uh, were 21 12 and 13 in those games uh, last year 33 of their 82 games were decided by one they went 16 8 and 9 in those games this year 32 of their first 67 were decided by a single tally they went 18 8 and 6 uh, during that stretch um, it's it, the real transformation is the shots against per game last year Average of 32.2, highest in the NHL. In 2014-2015, they averaged the sixth most. Year before that, second most, 34.7. In the lockout shortening campaign, it was below 32, but still weren't out of the top 10. This year, it's down to 30.2, 13th lowest, which is remarkable. So that just shows more of a structure. Um, and again, Guy Boucher has got this team buying into a system. Um since the trade deadline, Sens are 6-0-0 with Burroughs and Stahlberg, and both have, like Stafford has with Boston, both have contributed. Burroughs has four goals and one assist. That's five points in six games. Stahlberg has two goals and one assist in his first six games. Uh, they surrendered two goals or less in all six of those games, which is fantastic to see. Uh, uh, but Craig Anderson's the big reason why the Sens are doing as well as they are. Yeah, uh, since his return to the Sens, uh, sorry? He's been good. Just saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very good, as a matter of fact. Uh, the Sens are the best team in the NHL, uh, dating back to February 11th. They're 11-4-0. That's the day Craig Anderson came back. He's won nine of his last 11 starts since returning to the team. And while he's had to face over 30 shots in six of those 11, he's been charged with two goals against or less in eight of those 11 starts. And... This, and that that really bodes well when you have a goalie that can play as good as Craig Anderson can play because that allows you to play more of a run-and-gun offense. The Sens are in the top ten when it comes to goals for. They have the most shots on goals since Anderson came back. Uh, and they're also, while they've given up a lot of goals against during that period of time, their penalty kill is also below 80%. Um, it, it just looks 
it just looks at the same time as if they're starting to get a bit of a swagger back into their stride. And for a team that's bound for the playoffs, I think this team needs a little bit of a swagger in their step, especially if, if they get a, if, if they finish in the top three, they're, they're probably going to, uh, they're either going to get, they're either going to get the best wildcard team, which is either Washington, Pittsburgh, Columbus, or the Rangers, whoever's the odd team out of those four. Um, and if they finish in either the second or the third seed, they're, they're going to get a division rival. So either way you slice it, Ottawa's going to have a tough matchup in the first round, so they need some swagger to their game. And, and right now I think they found it. Yeah, I, I, I feel like um, I don't know how long it's going to last. Their, their streak is going to be. Um, but they did, I mean, they, they did beat the Bruins. But they also beat, you know, the Avalanche and yeah. the uh, um, the Coyotes, and um, I think the and the Stars, and those aren't like great teams. So it's, um, but I don't know. I I root for whoever uh, gives Montreal trouble. So I'm gonna root for you guys um, to <laughs> to win the division. But um, yeah, that's totally fair. <laughs> but once if. But it might be a it might be a playoff round where it's our teams aren't going to play each other. Having said that, so um, I'm not going to be like wholeheartedly rooting for you guys. But at least it's not Montreal. So yeah, the enemy <laughs> of your enemy is your exactly, friend. Exactly, exactly. I guess <laughs> that's what I like. That's what how I feel towards Toronto and Ottawa. It's like yeah. I don't really like you guys, but you're not Montreal, so <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with you guys. Um, Twitter is a Laysom podcast. Um, our Facebook is Laysom Up. Our, uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes at Laysom Up. Um, you're probably listening to us on SoundCloud, which is cool. Um, follow us there at Laysom Up as well. Um, I think that's it. Oh, yeah, and uh, email us at laceupbag at gmail.com. Also, a quick shout-out to uh, my brother's podcast, um, who uh, mentioned us this week. Um, it's In the Limelight is their podcast. They do pop culture and Hollywood stuff. I don't know how much interlap we have between hockey people and pop culture or Hollywood stuff, but um, in case there are, and if you're interested in that sort of world, um, go to In the Limelight. Um, that's my brother, Josh. He gave us a shout-out this week, so... That's cool. Um, and as you'll know, he mentioned that this was a Bruins-oriented podcast. He thought that this was that podcast, but um, it's not. But he did give he did give me credit for being the first in the family to have a podcast. So, oh, um, so that's nice of him. He's got to appeal to his demographic. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> of course, you'd say it's a Bruins themed podcast. Right, it's, but it's like, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's fine. Um, Atlantic Division the podcast. We'll go with that. Yeah, we'll we'll say that. Yeah, that's what we should say from now on. It's the Atlantic Division theme podcast. Atlantic Division we talk about, podcast. Yeah. We talk about the Leafs, the the Lightning, the Habs all, all the time too. So it's like, yeah. it's not just yeah. the Bruins. It sends. Um, nice. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Elsworth. We'll talk again in episode sixty nine of the Lace Up Podcast.